Koppel, host of the Time for Coffee podcast, where you get firsthand career advice into the jobs and industries that interest you the most. And before we start today's show, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you haven't already, I'd be incredibly grateful if you give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you're like me, you need to do it now because you'll forget later and because it's the best way to help others who may be in search of career advice to find this free resource. So press pause if you haven't done it and do it right now. I'll wait. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome back to another episode of T4C. If you're interested in learning more about content and brand management, especially in the wellness space, then this is the episode for you because my next guest is the content and brand manager for AvivaRom.com. But before I introduce you to Kelsey Hess, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's T4C's weekly newsletter that comes out bright and early on Monday mornings, and it is packed with all kinds of career insights and inspiration and wellness tips. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four, coffee.org, and the sign up box is right there. Now, my cold brew loving, aspiring content and brand managers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Kelsey Hess, the brand new content and brand manager for AvivaRom.com. Dr. Rom is a medical doctor. She's a midwife and an herbalist who bridges the best of traditional wisdom and modern medicine for women and children's health. Prior to joining Dr. Rom's team, Kelsey spent three years in a very similar role for another wellness startup called Kion. That's K-I-O-N, launched by Ben Greenfield. He is a human performance consultant, a speaker, and a I want to say like 13 time New York Times bestselling author, like crazy, crazy stuff. Kelsey is also a certified transformational nutrition coach who actually started her own coaching business four years ago. And guess what? It wasn't at all what she had studied as an undergrad at the Colorado School of Mines. All right. Can't wait to get into that. Kelsey, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you still caffeinated and ready to go? I am still caffeinated. I have about a sip left of my coffee, so I'm going to chug that and we'll be ready. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I know what kind of coffee you drink because you already said it, but I knew that you were a Keon coffee lover. Shameless plug to my previous employer, Keon Coffee. I love it. It's delicious. It's organic, certified organic. It's free of mold and mycotoxins. Really yummy. So I still drink it. I still drink the (laughs) (laughs) Kool-Aid. The best kind of Kool-Aid in my book. So 
welcome. You're joining us from just outside of Denver, Colorado. I love Denver. Such a great city. It is. Yeah, I love it here. We are in Lakewood, which is kind of in the foothills of the mountains, a little bit west of the city. So a little bit quicker access to all the fun mountain hiking and rock climbing and skiing, which which we all love. So, <laughs> oh, I'm so jealous. So jealous. I actually almost took a job in Denver many, many years ago. And, you know, fate had another something else in store for me. And so I went to Miami instead. I mean, very different, very different kind of environment, but also loving the outdoors there. Oh, yeah. Just different kinds. You get the beach there. It's so warm. Oh, I could use and that sailing. right now. You could. I bet you could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're doing this interview at the very end of February and it's been a cold winter. I would it's been say. very yes, it's been very cold. We got down to negative five here, which doesn't I mean if you're in the Midwest, it doesn't sound like much, but negative five is pretty cold for Denver. Oh yeah. Is that with wind chill or just uh, regular just regular. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Awful. All right, Kelsey, let us warm things up here by getting into what a content and brand manager is and whether it's different at all from being a marketing manager. Yes. So it, it is slightly different. Content is and brand is what I like to say, making sure your company Sounds good and looks good. (laughs) So there's a written aspect to it. And then there's a visual aspect to it, which is the brand side of things. And so for the content side of things, you're typically overseeing all written content channels. So that includes a blog, if your company has one, email, social media, a podcast, if your company has one as well. So kind of all of the written and verbal content coming out. And as well as on the brand side of things, you're typically making sure your company looks good. So you're working with graphic designers, you're working with photographers, you're working with design companies to make sure the brand really aligns with the with the voice of the brand. The visual aligns with the written. And so those are kind of two very creative outlets that my role has allowed me to explore. And what would a marketing manager do? Typically, a marketing manager does more of like the nitty gritty marketing. So advertising copy, sales copy, marketing funnels for emails, any offers that you have on your site, whether you're selling something or you have lead magnets. So there's a little bit of that within my role. But for example, at my previous company, there was myself, which was a content and brand manager. And then we had an e-commerce manager, which is more of that, you know, marketing manager. So making sure that everything on the site is priced correctly, sales are running well, email funnels are running well. I'd say it's more of like a a harder marketing role than a content and brand manager is. Got it. Makes sense. Yeah, it does. Thank you so much. So I know you have literally just started your new job with Dr. Aviva Ram. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes. Just started a week ago. And since you were pretty much doing the same thing in your last role at Keon, I think it makes probably more sense for us to talk about what you did at Keon because you were there for three years. So could you give us sort of an overview, Kelsey, of what 
all of your job responsibilities were? Absolutely. So as a content brand manager at Kion, I sort of did what what I just explained. So I managed all of the written content channels. I had a writer that would write our educational blogs for us. I had a writer that would do emails, a writer that would do copywriting. And so I worked with them to make sure that all of the writing that we put out was consistent with the brand ethos voice, style, tone, quality standards, all of that good stuff, as well as social media. So I was kind of overseeing the editorial calendar for the company, what went out and when it went out and making sure that our content was distributed across channels. So making sure that when we wrote a blog post, it was distributed across all of our social media channels and all of our email channels. So that was one side of of my role there. And then on the brand side of things, a major part of of what I did the last year or two that I was there was helping oversee a rebrand of the company. So visual rebrand. So redoing all of our labels on our products, redoing our fonts and our colors, redoing our website, updated photography. So working with external vendors to kind of make that all come to life along with other people at the company and as well as graphic design, all of that creative visual stuff and, and making sure we sounded good and we looked good. So why does a company go through a rebrand? Yeah, there are there are a couple different reasons why. You know, at Keon, we started out very small startup. As you mentioned, Ben Greenfield co-founded it with our CEO, Angelo Keeley. And so they kind of started bootstrapped, really. Like they quickly mocked up the design for the brand. They had some close people do it. And then they just worked on growing the company. And I think at a certain point, you know, three or four years in, we realized that our brand had evolved and who we were and, and who we were talking to had evolved. But our design was still the same old design that we had that was a little more clinical. It just didn't fit our brand style or the company as well. And so we worked on a rebrand, kind of just like when you're ready to get a makeover, you're like, how I look now doesn't isn't how I feel on the inside. So I need a haircut or I need to dye my hair or, you know, get a piercing or whatever, whatever it is. So it's just a way for a brand to evolve into who they want to be. And so if your brand has been around for a while and you need a refresh or the market changes, for example, like a lot of supplement companies were going through rebrands rebrands around that time just because consumers' tastes have changed. So there are a couple like internal and external reasons to to go through rebrand, but it is no small undertaking. (laughs) It's massive. I saw on your LinkedIn, because you announced that the brand refresh was done, that it had taken you two years to do that. Yeah, because there's a lot of strategy work that goes into a brand as well. It's not just like, oh, we need different colors and fonts. Typically, it's like, who is our target audience? What are they interested in? What do they like? What colors reflect our values as a company? So there was a lot of strategy work that went in like a year and a half of strategy work that went in before we even started designing. So there's a lot that goes into rebranding a company. So could you take us into a typical day when you were at Keon as the content and brand manager? Maybe part of it obviously was dedicated to the brand refresh or the rebrand. Mm-hmm. 
and then there was everything else. But what would it look like, Kelsey? Yeah. So typically I would be working with other people at the company and the marketing department to figure out what kind of campaigns we were running. And so making sure if we had, you know, a sale coming up or a new product launch coming up that we had content to support that product launch, for example. And so once I kind of got a lay of the land, I would work with my team to deliver on those assets. So it could be a couple of blog posts, several emails, a couple of social media posts and then working with a graphic designer to make sure that we had updated graphics for the launch, updated photography for the launch. And so kind of just when we have marketing initiatives, making it all come to life is typically what I would do on a daily basis. And I had a team of several people that I would meet with and we would meet together to go over upcoming initiatives. So a lot of writing, a lot of editing, (laughs) a lot of calendaring and Asana, a lot of talking in Slack, all of those, all of those good, good things. You use Asana. I am using Trello. Okay. Yeah. Very similar. I love it. Do you like it? I really do. I really do. And I having never, I haven't been on the Asana site, so I don't know how it works, but I really like being able to move things out of one bucket into another, especially like my done bucket. (laughs) The drag and drop feature is so satisfying. (laughs) Love it. It it is almost as satisfying as like crossing things off your list. So how do you develop the, I was going to say the expertise, but maybe it's just the ability to write posts in someone else's voice. Because for example, at Keon, weren't you all writing mostly in Ben's voice? And now at Aviva Rom, you're going to be writing in Dr. Rom's voice. That's a really great question. And I think it it comes down to studying that person's voice. I used to take, when I was writing for Ben, I used to take notes of common words or phrases that he would use. I still have it on my phone <laughs> so that I could kind of see patterns that were coming up in his voice and his style and make sure that I had like a library of words that he may use or phrases that he may use. So I think it's a lot of reading their writing, listening to them talk, kind of being a student of that person's voice. And then, you know, it's it's trial and error. It's you definitely it definitely takes a few months to of getting edits back and talking with that person to realize like, okay, this is their voice. This is their style. This is what they may say in this scenario. This is what they definitely wouldn't say in this scenario. So it's really being a student of that person. And I think it's also having a a very good foundation of writing like good writing skills to work off of. Because if you have good writing skills, basically writing in someone's voice is just the icing on the cake. You're just changing a few words. You're changing some phrasing. You're either using short sentences or long sentences. So having that really good basic writing skills and then just like layering on the person's voice. Great, great. So as I mentioned, Keon is a brand unto itself, I guess, not as overtly now tied to Ben. Nevertheless, it is part of a portfolio of companies that comes under Ben's. I don't know if it's I'm like chicken or egg. Is it under Ben's brand or is Keon or is Ben under Keon's brand? (laughs) It's so confusing. I'm glad you're asking. Um, So it's it's a separate entity. 
So Ben co-founded Keon with Angelo, my previous boss. And so Ben Greenfield Fitness is its own company. Ben Greenfield Fitness is like a content company where Ben puts out blog posts, podcasts, books. It's just a content machine. And he oversees that and has his own separate team. But this, the team also works under Keon as well. So it's it's very interesting how it's set up right now. But then Keon is a completely separate entity. Keon is a supplement and functional food company. We're an e-commerce business. And so the needs of the business are much different than Ben Greenfield Fitness. And so we have kind of two different teams that work on different sides. I used to work for both. So I used to do content management for Ben and for Keon. But we kind of realized later on, like, it's, it's very different. We need to kind of split these out a little bit more. But Ben still oversees, you know, new products that are coming out. He helps with a lot of the big vision stuff. But you're right. They're two separate entities right now. Got it. So it's very different in that way from your new role with Dr. Aviva Ram because her brand is who she is. And she does sell supplements and obviously her books and and whatnot, her courses that she also sells. What do you think are the benefits and the challenges of a brand that is so tied up in an individual versus being a standalone like Keon? That's a great question. And it's something that I've been thinking about a lot in my first week of just understanding the difference between the two companies. So what we would call like Aviva's business is kind of a personality business. So her, you're right. Her brand is Aviva. It is, she is what she is selling, quote unquote, but she gives a lot of information and health expertise away for free as well too, which makes her a really interesting person to, to work with and for, but Basically, when you're working for a brand, it's like a collective entity. A lot of different people can kind of have their hands in different channels of the brand. and But you have this guiding light of like, this is our brand ethos. This is our style. This is our voice. This is our tone. And we're all kind of working towards that, trying to make it a collective voice and entity. Whereas if you're working for a personality brand like Ben Greenfield Fitness or like Aviva, you're really trying to make sure that you understand that person and their personal brand. So what their personal ethos is, their personal style. So instead of kind of working as a collective group to bring a brand to life, you're kind of working with one individual person to bring their unique brand to life. And so I think it's a little bit more specific. That person typically has a lot more say into what goes out and how it sounds and how things look, especially if you're starting new at that company, you really have to work with that individual person very closely to understand their personal brand. And there's a lot more skin in the game, I guess, if you're working at a company like that. Whereas if you're working at a brand, there are so many touch points. You just have to make sure you're representing the brand well, or now you're representing an individual human. And so you have to be really, really strategic and careful about how you're writing and what you're saying and how you're coming across to people. So that's what I would say about the difference between those two. It seems as if there is a real proliferation, Kelsey, of young people whether it's on TikTok or Instagram or YouTube, who are creating their own brands. You know, maybe they're starting in high school or younger or college, whatever. What advice do you have for them in terms of maybe overarching best practices to think about? 
That's a good question. I think understanding your audience and what you do and who you do it for is the key to developing a lasting brand that people really resonate with. So if if you're young and you're kind of like building your brand on TikTok or YouTube or whatever it is, you may just be experimenting a lot first. You're kind of putting things out, seeing what people react to, what they like. You're taking it. You're kind of observing and taking in information. And I think later on, once you have an idea of who's listening to you, who's watching your stuff, who really likes your stuff, who's writing to you in emails or in in comments, developing a brand that really continues to be able to speak to those people, as well as maybe growth markets too. You know, if you're like, you've saturated a market of 12 year old gamers and you want (laughs) to, you want to break into like the 30 year old gamers or something like that. If you have a foundation of understanding of your brand, you can kind of expand it to to apply to those other other audiences and speak to those other audiences as well. So I would say just really listen to your audience, have an understanding of what they're looking for and what they resonate with, with the content that you put out. And that will help you in the long run of being a little more strategic about things. Great advice. Thank you. I know the field of wellness is more than just a job for you, Kelsey. It is both a professional and a personal passion. How did this interest begin for you? My own interest in health and wellness started like a lot of people with my own health battles and health journey. So as a teenager, I actually had a lot of mysterious symptoms that I couldn't quite tie back what was going on. I had some hair loss. I was really tired all the time. I was cold all the time. All these things that you shouldn't be, you know, as a 17 or 18 year old. And I I dealt with those symptoms for a really long time. And it took me, you know, several years going to multiple different doctors, doing a ton of tests to find get diagnosed with Hashimoto's, which is a thyroid autoimmune disease. And, you know, a decade over a decade ago, not a lot of doctors were testing the thyroid. And so it was kind of it took a long time to figure out what it was. And I'm very curious naturally. So I wanted to know what was happening. So, you know, I did a ton of research. I was always listening to podcasts, always reading health books, kind of being my own health detective. And so in that experience of over a decade of just trying to help myself get better and feel better, I learned learned so much about health and wellness and and the wellness space and things that you wouldn't necessarily learn if you went to school to become a registered dietitian or or any of those traditional paths. And so it, it kind of just became a lifelong passion of mine. And it is health and wellness is so integral into my life because it's how I've been able to live the life that I want, you know, getting healthy has allowed me to be more active, be outdoors more, have the energy to do the work that I love. And so it's really a a big part of me and myself. And I've seen the transformation in myself and the life that I'm able to live by getting healthier. And so that interest really, it's just stuck with me for so long. And I think it'll always be a part of who I am. And so, you know, I have the traditional career path of being an engineer. And I, you know, when I had an opportunity to pivot, I kind of dabbled around in a lot of different I drove Uber. I did like newborn photography. I did real estate photography. I did consulting. Like I did all of these different random things to try and figure out what it was that I wanted to do. But deep in my heart, I always knew it was wellness. I just didn't exactly know how to get into that space. So, so you actually got certified 
as a transformational nutrition coach in 2017. What does that mean? I'd actually (laughs) never heard of a transformational nutrition coach. What do you do for your clients? And I guess that's your side hustle. Yeah. So I actually put the side hustle down once I got into work at Keon because it was just so it was a lot to manage. But I did start out in nutrition coaching. That was like my first kind of foray into wellness is starting my own business. So I learned a lot about marketing in that area as well. But a certified transformational nutrition coach is just kind of like the brand of coaching certification that I got. It's through the institution that I got it from. They're just like certified five nutrition coaches. There are all types of kind of labels out there, but that's the specific certification that I got based on the online certification program that I went through. So I decided, you know, after a year and a half of kind of doing random jobs and being like, what am I going to do with my life? (laughs) I decided, you know what, I just need to, I just need to get certified. Like I knew so much, but I needed that level of credibility on my resume to feel like I could break into the wellness space. So I did a lot of research. There are a lot of really amazing online programs now. You know, six years or so ago, there weren't as many. So I found one that was really great. It was like a six-month online program. It had a great community. The teacher was certified and had a lot of great credentials. So I went through that online program and really was like building my business at the same time. So I found a program that not only taught you nutrition, but it also taught you how to build your business and your online certification or your online coaching business. So I went through that program and then I started my coaching business and I started it completely online and I built my own website. I was writing my own blogs. I was kind of trying to market myself and I had a few clients and they were sort of trickling in, but it was very, it's, it's hard to have your own business, especially starting out in a new space as well. And so I went to, you know, I had this feeling like, I I feel like I want to work for a bigger company. I want to have more of an impact. I want, you know, not to just be doing this like one-on-one thing, but to be able to reach more people with health information. And so I went to a conference by myself actually in Austin. I went to Paleo FX and I was like, I just, I just want to go. I just want to like meet some people and network. It was really scary. I'd never really traveled by myself before. And so I went to that conference. I went to a bunch of talks and met some people and went out to dinner with some people. And then actually literally ran into Ben Greenfield at the conference. Like he almost spilled his coffee on me. It was like literally like physical ran into. And I, and I had listened to his podcast for many years. So I knew who he was and I was like, Oh my gosh, you're Ben Greenfield. Like I listened to your podcast and kind of did that stupid fangirly thing, but he was very gracious. And he actually told me to come over to his booth when he was doing his book signing. So I came over to the booth, I got my book signed. And then I actually started talking to his partner, Angelo, who's now now the CEO of Keon. And we just started talking about like online courses and, and, and all of that and how to develop a, a certification program. And Keon was kind of like dabbling in that. So I just talked to him. I gave him my business card. I had business cards printed before I went. <laughs> and, you know, they called me six months later to interview for a job. And so I was like, oh, wow. You know, I wasn't expecting to get a job there. wasn't really looking for one, but it kind of was just serendipitous. And and I was there for three years. Yeah. Amazing. I want to ask you about that in a second. But before we leave your 
time as a transformational nutrition coach because I listened to another podcast interview that you did, Kelsey, (laughs) in which you were talking with the biohacking babes about women's health. And one of the things that you all were talking about, and you spent a lot of time talking about, which was a big surprise for me, actually. And I think it may be for my listeners as well. And that is the negative health implications of taking the birth control pill. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's a big one. What do you want to know? (laughs) What is it? Like, what should our listeners, our young listeners be aware of with regards to the unknown, I shouldn't say unknown, but the health implications that your doctor probably is not telling you about so that they have the information up front before they get like 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the line where they've been messing with the hormones in their body. Yeah, totally. So I speak from personal experience with this. I, like many women, I, you know, I had hormonal acne as like a 16 year old and I thought it was the end of the world. And so I went to my doctor and they, you know, they put me on birth control, the birth control pill and didn't tell me anything like no side effects, nothing like that. They were like, Hey, this will, this will clear up your skin. And I was like, great, I'll take it. I'll take whatever you want. And so I started taking the birth control pill at like 16 and I, you know, I, it did clear up my skin. I will tell you that it was like, it was like magic. It was very strange. And so I was on it for, for several years at a young age. And I do not to like scare anyone, but I do think it contributed to me developing an autoimmune disease. And there are a lot of books about this topic right now, but basically the pill does a number of things. It, it essentially shuts down your internal hormone production. So you're taking a synthetic hormone and so your body stops producing its own hormones. And doing that at such a young age of 16, your body you know, is still trying to normalize its hormone production at that age. You probably don't have like a regular cycle yet. It's you're still kind of you're growing into womanhood essentially. And so when you start taking synthetic hormones, your body learns to stop producing its own. It stops producing progesterone, estrogen, like all of these important hormones. Yes, they get they can get you pregnant, right? But also they're really important for brain health, for bone health, for skin health, hair health, all of these really, really vital things. And so you're when you take that pill, you're kind of telling your body to stop its own production. And another thing that the pill does is it can deplete certain essential vitamins and minerals as well. So like B vitamins, magnesium, zinc, selenium, all of these things that are essential, you know, the the pill can deplete those things. And it also has effects on your microbiome, your liver health, like on and on and on. So I started taking that at a young age. And I think I did fine on the pill. I actually didn't have a lot of symptoms that many women have. Many women will gain weight. They'll get brain fog. They'll get moody. They'll have like a lot of bad reactions to the pill. I didn't have reactions like that when I was on it. But when I came off of the pill, I think I literally just, I was, you know, 18. I forgot to fill my prescription or something like that. (laughs) Not responsible enough to be on a medication. And I just stopped taking it. And I got really sick. My hair started falling out in chunks. I lost a ton of weight. My skin broke out worse than ever. I was a freshman in college when all of this was happening, by the way, which is not the time that you want to be experiencing like vanity related issues. <laughs> Absolutely not. And it took me a year and a half to get my period back. So 
So I, you know, I experienced a lot of these things when I came off of the pill and that's when I started to experience the thyroid symptoms as well. And so it took a really long time to figure out what it was. I had to try to get my hormones back naturally. And even to this day, I still have, you know, issues that I'm not sure I would have had if I never took the pill. If you are on the pill, like don't freak out. There are so many resources now available to you if you want to come off of it or you're like thinking about getting on it. I would say Dr. Jolene Brighton is a great person to follow. She has a book called Beyond the Pill that kind of talks about this. Aviva Rom also has some great content about the birth control pill as well. And I will tell you, there are other options to prevent pregnancy. I've been married for five years and I haven't wanted to get pregnant and I'm not. So, you know, there are other options to you. The pill is not the only way. And I would say it's certainly not the most benign way to prevent pregnancy. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that, Kelsey. I just wanted to get that out there, especially for my young female listeners, so that they have the options, you know, just the knowledge to make the right choice for them. Because so often it's presented as a like, this is a a no brainer. Just go on the pill. Like, why wouldn't you go on the pill? And I don't know if I'd had that information when I was in my early 20s, I might have chosen another path. So Speaking of other paths, <laughs> let's flash back really quickly to when you were in college. You mentioned that awful freshman year experience, but was that when you were at Embry-Riddle? It was. Yeah, it was my first year at Embry-Riddle. Okay, so Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University in Prescott, you were majoring in computer engineering, and then you transferred to the Colorado School of Mines and graduated with a degree in engineering. Did you know what you were going to do with that degree, Kelsey, when you graduated? You know, I so the reason I transitioned to environmental engineering, number one, computer engineering is oh man, staring at a screen and looking at code all day was just not my idea of a good time. So I think I realized quickly, like, I can't spend my life doing this. (laughs) I was really interested. I was getting interested in health at the time, but it was, I felt like it was too late. Like I'd already gotten into engineering. I didn't know what to study. And so I kind of looked at my options. And for me, the environment and the health of the environment is related to the health of human beings and my my personal health. So it felt like this is the best path for me to stay in STEM and to stay in engineering. And so that's why I transferred to Mines because Mines has a really great, it's a great engineering school and it has a great environmental engineering program. And my brother went there. So I was kind of listening to him and he was saying, if you're going to do engineering, you got to go, you got to go to Mines. So I transferred in and graduated with an environmental engineering degree. And I thought, you know, when I went in, I thought I want to do renewable energy or I want to have a field job where I'm like, out hiking and soil sampling and water sampling and like doing all these really awesome outdoor activities. And, you know, it turns out that neither of those paid very well at the time. And so I I ended up taking a job in oil and gas in downtown Denver because that paid the best. You know, I had student loans to pay. I was kind of, I wanted to like have my own apartment, you know, all these really basic things that you're thinking when you get out of college, you want a good paying job. And so I had an internship at that company actually for two summers. And then I started working there full time outside of school. Was and that Whiting? No, that was actually in Canna. They're called Aventive now. But I did do an internship at Whiting 
one of the summers. Yeah, I did. I think I worked there one of the summers. I can't even remember now when I worked there. <laughs> it's like been so long. But in Canada is what they were called, Oventive Now. And so I worked there for about two and a half years after school. Got it. Yeah, you were at Whiting in 2014. <laughs> so that, that might have been my first, first internship. No, 2014 would have been... Oh my gosh. I worked there probably part-time for during school. That's when I worked there. I was in my last, I was like in my last semester or something of school and I just wanted to do some part-time work. So that's when I worked there. Okay. I remember got it. <laughs> got it. So you already shared with us kind of your, the various random jobs that you did before you started, before you got your certification in nutrition. And then you've mentioned how you like just literally bumped into Ben. And six months later, they call you up and they offer you a job, which is just incredible. Could you share a time in your professional life, Kelsey, when you struggled? I try to ask all of my guests this because I just think it's so important for our young listeners to know that we all have our ups and downs and Oftentimes, the downs are where the greatest learning and growth happens. So if you could share a time and most importantly, how you persevered and if there was a lesson that you learned in the process. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was that transitionary period between jobs. So I worked in engineering for two and a half years. I ended up leaving that company because my husband kind of got a job transfer and I didn't love it. It was slightly soul sucking working at a desk all day. And I was like, you know what? I'll I'll find something else wherever we go. And I have a good degree. I graduated from a great college. Like I I will find something. So I left that job and we moved to Salt Lake City. And I started applying for jobs, putting out my resume, looking for openings, all of that good stuff. After about six months of multiple interviews with, frankly, mostly men, like older men, I quickly realized, like, I don't know if this city is the right market for a young female engineer and especially environmental engineering. Like they're very industry heavy in in Utah, which is awesome, but they just don't have a lot of great environmental positions open. At least they didn't when I was there. So, you know, six months of kind of just like putting out your resume, applying to multiple jobs a day, going to interviews, not getting the job, like wondering what you did wrong, like, you know, kind of questioning your entire career path of going to a good college and getting a good degree. And I still can't find a job. Like, I think that was really, that was really hard on me as kind of a, a, a high achiever and wanting to be independent and be able to, to like pay my own bills and stuff like that. I was all of a sudden relying on my husband's salary. And I think that was a big hit, big hit to, um, my ego. So, you know, I, I just, in that time I was like, maybe I should just do some random stuff. Maybe I don't actually want to do engineering. And I think I slight, I knew that a little bit in my heart of like, I don't know if I actually want to do this, but I kept trying because I, I spent five years in school paying for this degree. I need to, I need to do this. <laughs> and I think I finally just surrendered and I let that go. And I was like, you know what? I, I can do other things. I can get other skills. Let me just kind of like figure out what else is out there. 
So I drove Uber. <laughs> I was like one of the, I feel like I was one of the first female Uber drivers uh, because that was really early on. And people were, wow. always, they were always surprised a woman was picking them up. Like a young woman was picking them up. So that was great though. It was a great way to learn a new city. I waitressed at the ski, like at a restaurant near a ski resort. I did real estate photography. I did newborn photography and hospitals. And you know, it all sounds really mishmash and random, but I learned so many great social skills in all of those jobs that have really taken me very far. So, so no regrets. No regrets. No regrets. It was a weird time. I'll be honest with you. I was like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> but I think it, you know, after about a year and a half of, of that kind of thing, I... I was still listening to health podcasts. I was still really interested, was still learning. And I was like, you know, I should just see what kind of career I can make out of this. Like, what can I do in this space? I, I learn about it all the time. And so I started researching and I found a couple of online certifications where you could get a nutrition certification and have your own health coaching or nutrition coaching practice. And so I, you know, I battled with it back and forth for a while and I was like, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to jump in and do it and drop everything else. So I got a certification, I went through a program, and then I started my own nutrition coaching business. And kind of the rest I, I told you is, is history. But I'm really, you know, that time it was painful for me because, like I said, I had spent so much time and money in school studying a specific thing, and I thought I was going to be doing that. And I just had a come to Jesus moment where I was like, I don't like this. I don't, I don't really love this career. Why am I continuing to try to get back into it. Let me see what I actually do love and I actually am passionate about. And so I'm really grateful that I listened to my gut instincts after a while. You know, I battled, I battled them for, for a long time, but, and I'm, I'm grateful that I had that space to, to figure out what it was that I, I really wanted to do. Thank you so much for sharing that, Kelsey. It's it's almost as if the universe was helping you out, right? Because <laughs> yes. if you had gotten one of those engineering jobs, you might still be doing that. You're so right. And I think it, it's so cliche to say everything happens for a reason. I kind of hate that term, but it is sort of true. Like, you know, if you're in the middle of something really painful and you don't know what you're doing, just have believe that it's going to turn out okay and trust yourself that that you're going to figure it out and i think if you can trust yourself and trust your gut instincts for the most part you're going to come out better for it and you're going to really love what you get into after that trust your gut in more ways than one yes <laughs> yes exactly final question kelsey if you could go back to college and do it all over again, but based on the immense wisdom you have right now, what advice would you give yourself? This is a funny question. My husband actually asked me the same thing the other day. He asked me, what would you, would you study something different? So a slightly different question. Part of me is like, I wouldn't tell myself anything. I wouldn't change anything because I'm really, I'm really happy where I am now. It was unconventional. It, it kind of doesn't make sense on paper, but I think it all, it all turned out. I think what I would tell myself though, is to just enjoy it a little more, loosen up a bit. I think early on, I was so concerned about my grades and getting A's and like my GPA and all these things that I thought were so important for, for my career and getting a job. And not to say those things aren't important. I think they did having a good GPA and all that they did help me with my first job but after that nobody cared no one cared if I got an A plus in physics or a C minus you know like nobody asked you your GPA after that first or second job so 
I think I would tell myself to loosen up, enjoy it, you know, study abroad, travel a little bit more, don't study so late, you know, all of those enjoy the college experience and enjoy the soft skills that you're learning more than the hard skills because I don't remember any of them anymore. <laughs> I don't remember physics anymore and I definitely couldn't pass a test in it. So yeah. Well, having said that though, you did mention in our espresso shots that one of, you didn't put it this way. I'm going to put it this way. One of your superpowers is problem solving. Mm -hmm. And that was something that you were doing day in and day out as an environmental engineer. And before that as studying to become a computer scientist, right? Like mm -hmm. problem solving. And there aren't many people in the content brand management space who have that as a background. Absolutely. That's been so critical to my success in my field, I think, because I look at everything that comes up as a problem that we can solve. So I look at, you know, if, if something breaks or like if we're trying to build a page, it's like, what problem are we solving here? How can we solve it? And so I think really analytically and logically and systematically about things that are not always analytical or systematic, like design, for example. And and so I think it's it's a really unique skill to have if you move into any industry, if you can problem solve. And if a problem comes up, you're not really affected by it. You're just kind of thinking about how to solve it in the most efficient and, and fast way as possible. It's it's a really great skill to have, I think. And it, and it helps you just stand out, I think, as well. Totally. Kelsey, speaking of standing out, you so stand out. And I want to thank you so much for making time for coffee today with me and the Time for Coffee community. I wish you tons of success and just professional fulfillment in your new role at avivarum.com and in everything you do. Thank you so much for having me, Andrea. It's been a pleasure to chat with you and kind of relive the history as well. Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T4C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at time, the number four, coffee.org or text me at 202-236-5712. That's 202-236-5712. Thank you.